Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And Stephen. What up, fam? Now, you guys have both been playing Sea of Thieves, right? Stephen, are you enjoying it? Yar, I am really enjoying it. <laughs> Oh, no. That's someone. That's someone that's <laughs> read the agenda ahead and has gone. I'm going to prepare something for this. I love it. Uh, so what's uh, what's got you swashbuckling so swimmingly? I was trying. You were better prepared than I was, Stephen. That was not very good. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, like it's just. It's such a story generator of a game. Like, I've been playing with James and another friend, and just the stuff that happens, it's completely separate to the actual missions that we go on, but, like, you know, getting attacked by a kraken on the way or last night spending a good, like, There are krakens minutes. in the game? Oh, yeah. Oh, my there are krakens. gosh. <laughs> I need to get this. Why am I not playing this? Uh, it's pretty, um, it's pretty upsetting, though, like... I was literally on my phone buying, I think I was buying some Joy-Con on Amazon on my phone, and then right. I looked up, because I wasn't doing anything at the time, and then the guys were like, <gasps> so something's happening, and I'm like, is the water black, because the water turns black when the Kraken's around? Uh-huh. Like I'd, I'd heard, like, legends of this from other players, but I'd never seen it myself. <laughs> um, and I was like, is the water black? And then they're like, yes, and I was like, ah! <laughs> so, I'm coming! Oh, no, the tentacles. <laughs> so I had to, like, yeah, run back up. I think I was wearing a dress because I didn't put my proper clothes on. <laughs> That's right. Because I was going, I was going through my customizations. Wait, in the in the game or? Yeah, like you can okay. wear. Yeah, no, not in real life. No, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I just so imagine like, you're running from your study like in a dress to get yeah. back onto. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> what didn't happen, but that'd be cool if it did. <laughs> but yeah, like I ran from the bottom deck to the top deck, and I was like, "It is the Kraken," and then like you know. That was that was it. It was just a cool moment, I guess. Um, it's so really cool. cool how like it encourages teamwork. Like it almost requires teamwork, I guess. Like uh-huh. we'll have one of us at the helm steering the ship, but they can't see in front because the sails in their way. So like I'm up in the crow's nest, having a look, checking for hazards, and someone else is down checking the map to make sure we're on course. Or mm. yeah, it's just like you have to do this stuff, and so you just fall into these tasks. And I don't know it just feels so good. I haven't had a game encourage teamwork so. I don't know, so thoroughly like this does. I think so like, you guys... Sorry. Uh, even just like in the Kraken battle, because um, they, they are random, so I'm sure we'll have another one at some point. Um, <laughs> Probably. Yeah, but it's like, so the it's like just tentacles that are like wrapping around the ship. Like, so someone's got to like kind of slice slice it off um, or like some <laughs> it's like crushing the ship and creating holes in the hull. And mm. someone else has got to go and board them up while someone else gets a bucket to like get the water that's filling in like, off the ship so you don't drown. And it's kind of... It's just crazy how, like, you've got, like, ten... Like, we had... It was just three of us, but we were, like, running around doing so much. But also coordinating the cannons and stuff, you know? Or even just getting cannonballs to the cannons. Yeah, it's um, just, like, the moment one of us has a free second, it's like, okay, cool, quick, go get to the cannons. We need yeah. to get rid of this Kraken or they'll break the boat again. Right. That sounds like so much fun. I'm going to have to get in in on this. Uh, it's already available with Xbox Game Pass, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. I think I'm going to have to start subscribe for that. That seems like too good a deal to pass up with, especially when I'm going to be playing Sca- a State of Decay later this year as well. I think um, it's, yeah. I think it's definitely, like, if you're all doing, thinking of Game Pass, it's a really, really good idea. Yeah. Um, the, the big, like, I guess the elephant in the room with it is it's very, in terms of content, like, pure content, it's very light. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the systems are all there. Uh, the visuals are just, like, like phenomenal. Like, the lighting in the water is, like, some of the best you'll ever see in, like, any game. 
Uh-huh. Um, I think even Steven and our other friend was saying that not they were on normal Xbox and I'm on Xbox X. Yeah, it um, just blew me away. Yeah, like it's it's it looks great. Um, mm. the the mechanics are great and stuff. Um, but I just don't really know how long it's going to hold people's attention for in terms of. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of missions. There, are, there's lots of missions, but they're like right, like the radiant quests from Skyrim and stuff, where it's just kind of randomly right. generated almost. Yeah, it's right, mostly okay. just like go to a play or find a, an island, grab something from it, whether it's a a pig with a specific pattern or a piece of treasure or killing a skeleton or something, bring something right. back, and that's sort of. I mean, I haven't only played a little bit, but that seems to be the main general stuff that you're doing during the game but all the interesting stories kind of just happen on the way or incidentally around that so yeah, yeah it will be interesting to see how it goes on like even sort of, oh, just go to the island come back gets a little bit old maybe so mm. even in like so for example the other night we um were we were heading because in the in the game world there's like i guess the equivalent of raids where there's just a big skull cloud in the sky and everybody can sail to that skull cloud and there's like a, a battle to take place and heaps of loots behind it all so everybody oh, in the okay. world at that point. Uh, so like public events in Destiny or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I guess that's the best. Yeah, and um, we were heading to one to do it, and then obviously because there were two other ships there, because everyone was ready, like it became more about the battle with those ships rather than right. just getting. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of uh-huh. like I think I spoke to when I was speaking to Steven. It's like I said it was like an anecdote factory almost. Like <laughs> yes, <you'd, laughs> like everybody would have a story to tell about Sea of Thieves, um, like what they've done. Um, I know mm. when we rate, like, traded a treasure, like, an island once, there was, like, a ship anchored there, and one of my mates said that he just, like, climbed, snuck onto the ship, turned their anchor off, like, like lifted it up, and their ship just set, ran, like, floated <laughs> away. That's I mean? amazing, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that sort of, like, um, self-made sandbox storytelling. That was what I, I always loved so much about DayZ. It's like, DayZ had no story, there were no missions, like, you just got dropped into this world with nothing, and you were just kind of asked to, or expected to survive, I guess. Um, but all these stories would come out of it, of, like, these times you'd run into people, um, these kind of interactions you had you'd make friends with someone and then betray them like an hour later <laughs> and i just i i love that kind of storytelling as much as i love like a scripted narrative driven game being able to set about your own stories and and having such kind of unique uh, experiences yourself i think are just fantastic yeah have you guys had many sort of run-ins with enemy players because i suppose they're always in the world right like that pvp mechanic could like spring well, up in you any moment um my first ever without Steven, um, was, like, when we went to an island, we dug up treasure, and mm-hmm. we were digging it up, we were, like, so excited, we got our first chest and stuff, and then I noticed, like, in the horizon, like, this other ship had rocked up to this island, and mm-hmm. I was, like, oh, shit, we're gonna get back, <laughs> like, and I was, like, no, surely, like, they're not gonna attack us, and then they literally just, like, like, I, I just saw the sail of our ship slowly, like, going down beyond the island, so, obviously, <laughs> it had been sunk, and <laughs> we were under attack. Um, mm. so yeah, like a lot of players will attack you. I've no- noticed, like, I don't think we've ever really had past a player who's just left us, let us be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that. And that's fun. Um, uh-huh. but sometimes it can be really stressful if you've been spent all this time getting all this treasure because you've got to put your treasure on your ship and then take it back to a place to sell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've seen people on Twitter, like complaining about times where they had hoarded all this treasure only to get jumped by a couple of enemies. And but I guess that's pirates. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> the point. Like, you know, you've kind of got to weigh up whether you're going to go and put, like sell your shit you've got now or like just try and risk wing it and go and get more stuff. Mm. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think like that's why I think this is better value if you're buying it through Game Pass. Whereas if you pay ninety nine ninety five for this or seventy nine from JB or something, yeah, um, I still think you would feel pretty like I don't know, you wouldn't feel it was worth it just yet. Right. Okay. I think it's going to grow into something amazing. Like I was going to say, like Stephen, can you see them sort of like expanding upon it, kind of treating it as a bit more of a game as a service kind of thing? I kind of hope so. Like I noticed when I booted it up yesterday, it had this message saying that, you know, asking if you wanted to get emails from Rare when they added new stuff to it, which I guess is okay. could be read as a, oh, they're planning to add more stuff to it, which is nice. But I guess it's, I would sort of err on what James was saying. Like I, I'm glad I'm doing it through Game Pass at the moment because I don't like buying a game based on promises that it will have stuff in it at some point. It's a bit... I'll buy it when it's got good stuff as opposed to just when they say it will have cool stuff later on. Yeah, that's a conversation I think I want to have perhaps on another episode where we sort of talk about gamers as a service and that sort of overlap with early access and almost kind of demoing releases before deciding to invest money in it. But we've got heaps to talk uh, about today, so let's move on. On the show, we're going to be chatting about the Nintendo Switch uh, and its being and its record sales and what it means to be a modern day gamer. But first. My new favorite segment takes a bit of an upsetting turn this week. It's time for a Spyro update. A week or so ago, a person appeared on Reddit claiming that Spyro the Dragon Treasure Trilogy... Trailer... Treasure... Ugh, this alliteration. <laughs> God damn it. Treasure Trilogy, a collection of, fir- of the first three games remastered and released on PS4, would be announced the next day, a.k.a. last Friday. Disappointingly, he has now come out and said that he made up the whole thing with the previous Black Ops 4 leak that came from him being just an educated guess. James, I can't remember where you came down on Spyro. You know how terrible my memory is, but is this surprising? Are you disappointed? Um, I don't care, but... <laughs> but um, I acknowledge that this would be a pretty big thing if it were to happen. Um, uh-huh. I think I think I'm quite like happy that somebody who faked something has come out and said it's fakes to stop the kind of rampant speculation. Like, I remember getting a message from Shannon, like, almost every two days, like, it's they're going to announce Spyro soon, I reckon. I'm like, no, they're not. I'm like... <laughs> like you were sceptical the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's like, people are like, they're going to announce it today, and then they're like, it gets announced, and you're like, see, I was right. It's like, yeah, but you said that for every day. Like, Yeah. Um, <laughs> On that note, like, a couple of years ago, when we did that that April Fool's Crash Bandicoot thing that kind of went viral, and we, we had to jump on that, and like, no, guys, it's April Fool's. Like, this isn't real. Uh, we've sort of found ourselves in that situation before as well. Uh, Stephen, are you disappointed by this? Is this just a reminder that we have to be careful with rumor and speculation? Oh, man. Um, so me having been very, I guess, involved in the Nintendo space, rumors and leaks are just par for the course at the moment, and I've just decided to almost entirely ignore them. So I didn't uh-huh. put much stock in this, but I think people people believed it because it makes too much sense for it not to happen. Like, the Crash Trilogy went gangbusters. It's, like, been the best-selling game since it came out, pretty much. And, like, yeah. everyone loves Spyro. I love Spyro. I'd love to play it again, but I guess it's And it's from the same yet. era and has more or less the same sort of audience as well, right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Is this the guy... Like, because remember there were news of, like, an Activision, like, press conference... Not press conference, like a, like a, um, a board meeting or some sort of company meeting, and they talked about having another remaster on the way this year. Was that the same leak or was this some... I'm trying to remember specifically what this leak... Oh, no, this was the one about, like, there being an announcement at, like, 7 a.m. 7 next day, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't remember. So, I'll go I, by you. Yeah, yeah, th- I'm fairly sure this is the guy that sort of, there was going to be, there w- yeah, there would be an announcement like the next day, and the next day rolled around and just nothing was said. But 
there was still there's still that meeting right that Activision had where they said they had a remaster coming out this year. I still hold that hope. There definitely there was. I think it was like literally about a month ago that they said it. Um, yeah. They rolled it. They talked about Hearthstone, Destiny, Overwatch, COD. Um, but then they also talked about they've got remasters of their IP coming in 2018. And yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah, you would probably connect, like, join the dots and say it probably is Spyro. Uh-huh. Um, I think people forget a bit that Spyro, I think, would need a little bit more work than a game like Crash Bandicoot um, in terms of getting it r- to run today at an acceptable standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, it's sort of... Like, Crash, Crash was very linear, and there was less to do to fix it, I feel. Mm. Whereas Spyro, I think you'd have to do a little bit more to make it a bit to make it as, like, good a level as the Insane Trilogy was. Yeah. They're, they are very different games, and I, I think Crash probably kind of holds up a little better than Spyro will without a significant sort of overhaul. I yeah. think that's fair to say. I think it's happening. But he's just so darn cute and lovable, that purple dragon, isn't he? He is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm sure if the tr- Spyro Trilogy is real, it will sell really well. But you know what is selling really well now? The oh. Switches. The oh. See, I've got I've got these segways I've down just... that now. I've... Yeah. No? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <yes>. okay. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch sold better than any other console in history during its first year. NPD data has revealed that comparatively, the Nintendo Switch sold better in the first 12 months of sale in the US than any other console during the first 12 months, even surpassing the Wii, PS4, and PS2. Uh, James, I don't know if you were just like cringing at my segue or this news piece, but do you think the Nintendo Switch has the capacity to be the best-selling console of all time? It's looking pretty good at the moment, right? Um, yeah, they just have to keep the momentum going. Um, mm. I feel like they've do- they're doing pretty well so far. Uh, second half of this year, though, like I don't really feel like we've got much going on there besides Smash Bros. So, um, besides yeah. Smash Bros, uh, Smash Bros is a pretty big deal, man. No, I know it is, but like uh, it's like one big deal. I I feel like they need lots of big deals, like. Think about what you're going to have at the end of this year for Xbox and well, maybe Xbox, but definitely PS4. Like, um, mm. I just think there'll be a lot more big deals <laughs> for the other consoles. And sure, but that being said, um, you know, like I feel like people probably own a Switch and something else. Like, I don't really think there's a lot of people just buying Switches. Yeah. I could be wrong. Like, I don't, I don't know enough to be able to like 100% confirm that. Obviously, but. I think the Switch is, like, the perfect complementary experience, um, uh-huh. and it's just, I don't know, like, I, th- I think it's great. Like, it's really good, obviously. The Switch is kind of, like, rapidly filling that blank, I guess, that the Vita previously filled to me, where it's, like, those kind of smaller indie titles that I don't really find the time or make the time to kind of play at home because I'm too busy playing those blockbuster titles, but that I can sort of play pretty comfortably on the go or just kind of like upstairs on the couch whilst I'm waiting for something like a pizza to come out of the oven or something like that's, that's where it's kind of really found. It's, it's kind of, it's home for me, I suppose. I think, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of like visiting family members and stuff as well at the moment. Um, uh-huh. And that's, that's pretty boring, but, it's nice to be able to, like, play Bayonetta and be like, yes, Grandma, yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
you've got the you've, I've do it. I'm able to multitask and get so much more done now. Doesn't your grandma get upset that you're not paying attention to? No, because I'm still responding to her. Just prob- I'm probably <laughs> not speaking to her, at her more. when you do. You know, I don't know. I, I used to not visit, so now I visit. You know, it's like <laughs> um, baby steps. Yeah, like, but um, I think like speaking of what you said, you and we'd feel like uh-huh. I guess filling that void. Like for me, the Switch is filling the void of like really quality single player games. Like a lot of um, mm. the stuff that I play on Xbox and PS4 now is mainly fighting games that are multiplayer or games like Siege or um, mm. Overwatch or, you know, Sea of Thieves, I guess. Yeah, like stuff that's not necessarily stuff that I play by myself. Yeah. As a yeah, no, I totally hear you as well. And that's thank you. That's thanks to uh, Nintendo's kind of just hitting it out of the park. Like Zelda and Mario, they've got some great stuff kind of come out there. You mentioned Bayonetta as well too. So they're doing a really good job of supporting themselves. But I think it's like a very different story for the the Switch, don't you think? Like compared to the Wii or say the PS2, like especially the Wii kind of like bringing in motion controls and sort of just had mass appeal, I suppose. And and people were getting it really just to play like Wii Sports. Uh, it was like bundled in with TVs and like there was just that kind of sort of sensation around it. I don't quite like see the same thing happening with the Switch. What do you see, Stephen? I feel like, yeah, the difference there is that the... I guess the Wii sold to a lot of people just on the on Wii Sports because that was an immensely popular and really cool game. But mm. I guess from what I can gather, the Switch seems to be selling, I think James has brought the point up before on a previous podcast, but sort of to these almost lapsed gamers, people who have not sort of been super into games, but Zelda on a really cool Nintendo platform has just brought so many people back in. And I feel mm. like that's a big part of why it's selling so well. Sort of even compared to a lot of other platforms, it's it's yeah grabbing all these people that probably haven't played games for a little while and it's dragging them, you know, kicking and screaming back in. Yeah, yeah. What so going back to you then, James? What do you think the the Switch's sort of long term plan needs to be? Is it as simple as just sort of like consistently bringing out titles that people care about? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. And you would agree, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love agree. I love when James just like. <laughs> Yes, that's it. Nothing more to say. I'm done. No, I, I don't know. I just don't want to unnecessarily pad this podcast out. But like, it's just—I'll <laughs> be the judge of that. Thank oh, you. I'm okay. Posting it. Sorry. Um, nah. So yeah, I—I I think they have to just keep the momentum going. Um, I think they—I think they're in a better position than they say were with the Wii U, where like they would have, um, you know nothing come out for ages and then have, like, one game a month from Nintendo coming out, and that's it. Yeah. Whereas now, because of the strength of the platform and stuff, you, you'll you have a Wolf... You'll have Wolfenstein of the year. You'll have um, Octopath in June or July. Um, a few Wii U ports here and there, which I've previously, you know, expressed my disdain at, but I, under- mm. I get it. Um, like, I just think they need to keep it coming, um, and they have to have stuff ready for when all those Wii U ports run out. Um, yes because the wii u ports like i've said before like i get it um people probably didn't play them like just in terms of pure numbers and statistics um so it makes sense to move them to switch people so many people think that the new donkey the donkey kong on switch is the new donkey kong that there hasn't been one since super nintendo um and that kind of shows you know um and i think they need to keep doing the the stuff like labo and the motion controls, they're all there, but they're not forced on you. Um, mm-hmm. So, but they appeal to a greater audience. And I think they need to just keep doing that. 
They mm-hmm. can't just start forcing certain things on people. Just keep keep appealing to everybody um, with a strong first and third party lineup. Like, and I think they'll be fine. I've got a really good faith in them at the moment, whereas I used yeah. to hate them. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you've got faith in uh, in Nintendo too, then, Stephen? I do. I think yeah. Similar to what James was saying, they need to have a fairly big variety of games. I speak to a few people that mm. sort of tell me that they they had a Wii U and because most of the games that they want to play on Switch are either Zelda, which they played on Wii U and, you know, the stuff that's coming to Switch is like, yeah, it's really cool that Donkey Kong's coming to it, but I already played that. So yeah, there are yeah. a few more people than just James in that, um, you know, in that opinion. And mm-hmm. sort of as well as that, in the, the idea that the Switch is often a second platform for a lot of people, they need to, I don't know, make sure that the games are coming out that are sort of not just worse versions of what they can play on a PC, for example, like Doom and Wolfenstein appeal to people who, you know, have only ever really played Nintendo on, yeah, on Nintendo platforms. So it's really awesome for that sort of set of people or people who want to play it handheld. But Mm. if people have played it last year on a console or a PC, then it's not really on their radar at all. So yeah, more games. Everyone needs more games, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty simple, isn't it, really? <laughs> you and need the games online. to play these things. <laughs> lots yeah. of other things. Virtual just console. Nintendo, just bring Fortnite over to it. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. Oh, forget they... forget all these other games. Forget this Smash Bros crap. Bring across <laughs> Fortnite. Um, <laughs> they have it running on phones, so it can exactly. clearly run on a Switch. A Switch is basically a big phone, so like it can happen... Please, it just make it happen. I, I hate it, I but I'm sure totally the conversations right. are happening. So. It's, I think there'll be more than conversations. Uh, but yeah, the Switch is massively popular. Lots of people are playing the Switch, especially modern gamers. But what does it mean to oh be a modern gamer? James, what does it mean to be a modern gamer? <laughs> During Essendon's football match this past week, the club's new esports team attracted some interesting uh, comments as they watched the match. They were described during a post-match interview in the changing room as, quote, not the normal football following type uh steven are they not the normal football following type i don't know that there is a normal football following type like Mm. i don't know i've there are a lot of people that i know i know when i was younger i thought the football following type is like my extended older family basically and then it's like oh wait a bunch of my friends in primary school and high school enjoy football and then i know just it seems a lot of people that i know there's not really a through line that indicates this is the kind of person who likes football. Just lots of people like sports. It's just everyone. Yeah, it's not all like a guy missing a tooth, drinking out of a VB can, is it? Not like too much can, on Adelaide can... people. <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking Collingwood supporters. Uh, but James, do you do you think it's okay to both be a gamer and a sports fan? Um. Yeah, but like. <laughs> Like, I'm not, but um, why would it not be okay? I don't know. I just think people can do, like, whatever they want. Um, it's, I, just, I don't even know. This is how, like, out of the, my depth I am here. Like, I didn't, I, like, I can't believe, like, a football club has an esports team. Is that correct? Yeah, like, what's going yeah. on? Is that, so, does that, so, does every football club have an esports team, or does just Essendon Bombers have one? Uh, it, okay, if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, please do tweet at me. Uh, but as far as I know, uh, Essendon have acquired, like, their club, the club Essendon have acquired an esports team, which I think is kind of made up of a, of a, like, a fairly broad roster that they play a couple of games. Um, I think League of Legends is one of them off mm. the top of my head. No, um, yeah. But, 
I don't think it's every like every AFL club. I think maybe a couple have looked into it. Um, but Essendon certainly like one of the the first to do it. I think some A-League teams have also kind of diversified a bit as well. I don't know what leagues they're competing though. I, I, I don't know enough about that. I think it's um I think it's like testament to how kind of mainstream games are now where a footy club also owns an esports club. Like that's kind of nuts to even think about the fact that yeah. we live in a world like that now. Um in terms of like the way that it was handled um in that broadcast, like it's just like rude and mean. <laughs> like do, mm. do you know what I mean? It is like kind of interesting. Like I still very old fashioned the... Yeah, it seems to be appealing to a particular audience who sort of I'm not a nerd. Those guys are nerds over there. But like, the, they use terms like computer boffins, real nerds, and it's like some yeah. of the people that I work with are the absolute most like stereotypical computer boffin, huge nerd you could imagine. But they follow like they're mad about every sport that's under the sun. Like it's completely surprised me. But yeah, like it, it happens. Everyone, everyone likes sports. It's fine. I just think yeah. like the, the take home is is like you can't like, just don't just judge people like based on one stereotype, one really old, outdated stereotype. Like gaming as a whole, you know, it's there's ads for games on buses now on the same spaces that there would be movies and stuff. It's just such a different platform now. Um, mm. Yeah. It made me think back to like I've got this friend who's a massive Essendon supporter actually, uh, and he was he went to the game that this happened at and was really excited for it. Like first game back of the season, obviously he was chatting all about it. But in between conversations about this up like this upcoming these upcoming football matches, we were talking about Far Cry Five because he's just as excited about Far Cry Five as he was this football match. Um, and I just I just I don't know. I guess like going to this this larger sort of topic that I sort of signposted for this, like, what does it mean to be a modern gamer? I don't think you can really define what a modern gamer is. Like, it, just because gamers now are so much more diverse than they maybe were, like, 10, 20, 25 years ago, right? Like, I think the modern gamer is just kind of anyone. Like, everyone's sort of playing games on their phone now, or they have a Switch or they've got a PlayStation, even if they're just sort of like playing Call of Duty and FIFA kind of every year, like those are the two games they purchase and play or one of those games. Like, I just feel gaming is such a kind of prolific phenomenon now, like, and and everyone partakes that you can't really kind of box it in. You can't really define what a, a normal gamer is. Do you guys kind of agree with that sentiment? Yeah, like, especially a lot of people write off mobile games as just like, a weird aside that's not real gaming but like mm. i've spoken to a few people that i've met recently and sort of one of them is madly into his mobile games and the stuff he plays i don't think appeals to me a lot it's got a lot of the mobile game you know timers and waiting and all that sort of fun garbage but like he gets into it just mm. as much as i would have gotten into sort of you know gamecube games back when i was roughly that age and it's like this is the same stuff is just playing the games that are available now to him that, you know, it's just different to what I was playing. That's fine. He's enjoying it the same way. Games are games. Yeah. And the mechanics are more or less the same as well. Right. And like James, would you agree if, do you see kind of uh, a certain type of game or is that really hard to pin down? Um, well, <laughs> no. um, I, not really. I don't see like, you know, um, I, like in my own group of friends, like some of them play awful PC games, and some of them play <laughs> weird anime games. And but I play, you Excuse know, me. 
<laughs> um, some of them play Virtua Tennis on their Vita, like, for God knows what reason. Um, but, like, I don't know, that's, we all play, and I play really good games, so... <laughs> We're all different. I don't know. I I think we're all really different, and I I think that's fine. You know, mm. <laughs> that's that seems like a nice uh, a nice end note there to cap that conversation off. So we can then move on to what the wiki. What the wiki is the Starcast game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and you the contestants must guess the game. Of course, you can play along at home or wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, Brody isn't here today, which is interesting, but he sits atop the leaderboard with three points with James and Matt still within reach at a point each. Uh, Stephen, we've uh, let, yet to have you play in this season, so you've uh, got the opportunity to jump onto the scoreboard here as well and James you've got a uh, this beautiful opportunity to close down that gap between you and Brody um, that the only way that I can is if he's not participating basically <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not true you've challenged him was it last week we went to a tiebreaker right yeah we did real close. I guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of last week, he gave us a great one last week with uh, Kirby's Avalanche. Once again, friend of the show, at Jamie Penning over on Twitter, has submitted today's first game. I'm going to read it for you now. The game features similar gameplay to its predecessor, in which the player's blanks explore various errors while battling enemy blank. A boss blank awaits at the end of each dungeon, and the difficulty of each boss increases as the player progresses through the game. In the game, there are towns in the area, and each town has machines where you can buy new moves. Release blank when you have to... Oh, hang on, sorry. Yeah, really, where you can buy new moves, release blank when you have too many, and a fountain filled with glow drops that heal your blank. In the game, blanks are disappearing and you have to find out who took them and catch them. The game includes toy blank from the first five generations. The game also comes with the option to play against each other wirelessly using street pass tagging. This allows the player to see other players blank and me's. The play starts in Toy Town, where they are introduced to the mechanics of the game and the Battle Royale. After winning the Battle Royale, Toy Town's glow drops uh, have found to have been stolen. As the game progresses, the player will meet several... Oh, I didn't blank that one out. Blank that will contribute to various roles in the story. The player will also venture across towns, each with a different atmosphere. Eventually, the glow drop thief, who is actually Cobalion, is found, but he breaks the player's wind-up key, delaying switch time. Later in the story, Cobalion (laughs) (laughs) is encountered again at the World Axle, where he reveals that he has been stealing the glow drops to try and fix the World Axle, which has apparently been overrun with rust, as well as the Pokemon inside. As the player goes deeper into the World Axle, they realize that an entity named Dark Rust is the source of all the rust. Being protected by a force field, Dark Rust is seemingly invincible until Cabalion sacrifices his key to destroy. I think I'm spoiling oh, James, the game. James, can I just guess? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Is it um? Oh, it's 3DS. Uh, I believe so. I'm yes, assuming it is. it is a 3DS game. Is it? Oh, it's not the dungeon ones because I've played them. <laughs> um. Do I have a timer? Pokemon... I don't know. We've never been in a situation Pokemon... <laughs> Pokemon Rumble Blast? Oh, my God. You got it. Oh, oh what? I was, I was just thinking that whole time, what in the world are these glow drops? And like, I was, you left I was a like, few Pokemons in there. I was so like, like, is it Spyro 2? <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't believe you were so unsure about that. That was a guess. That was a really lucky guess. Can I just say, like, yeah. Well done. It's the only one I haven't played, so it was just like a must. (laughs) What's the relevance? Did he say what that? Why we? Uh, yeah, he did. Hang on, let me quickly pull that up. There's always a link. Write it down here. Yeah, he is. Uh, Jamie, mad props to you, man. This you (laughs) picked two great ones. I really like him because I always guess his. He does a good job. I'm trying to load here. It is. Hang on. Fuck. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, with <laughs> I've I've got a few swear words to beep out this week. Hopefully, I find them all. Uh, yeah, he says it's also on topic. As Detective Pikachu is released on Friday. Oh, oh of yeah, course, it was released on Friday. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There was the wow. link. Uh, the game, yeah. So the game being Pokemon Rumble Blast, known in the PAL region as Supermon, Super Pokemon Rumble, and known in Japan as Super Pokemon Scramble, is an action beat 'em up video game in the Pokemon series for the Nintendo 3DS. There you go. Well done, James. Reminder that you've got to get uh, best two out of three. So we've still got another two games, and Stephen, you're still in with a chance. I will read game number two for you now. They're not as cryptic as that. You and no, pretty always, tough one. My, yeah. Mine's are a bit easier. Jamie, Jamie makes them challenging. <laughs> The game features both single-player as well as two-player cooperative multiplayer as players traverse through a series of levels in a style similar to Mario, Super Mario 64. The game features six playable characters. The five weapon classes are mainly disc, whip, bowling, projectile, and melee. The disc is thrown in a similar fashion to a frisbee. Once thrown, players navigate, ar- navigate it around the level remotely using the move controller to achieve objectives, for example, to hit moving targets. The whip is controlled by the move controller via one-to-one movement. Bowling acts similar to the disc, where the player throws the bowling ball and subsequently guides it with the move controller. It also features a total of 50 levels, which can be characterized into five archetypes, five weapon classes, and four environments, namely Paris, France, from Sly Cooper and Bentley, Metropolis City from on Kurwan from Ratchet and Clank, oh, Haven God. City from Jack and Daxter, and Planet X, which is an original environment created for the game. Players can choose which character they want to play on as each level. Each character will have a different gameplay style, and may have advantages on certain levels. Cooperative play allows the second player to play as the first player's sidekick character. For example, if the first player selects Jack as his character, the second player will automatically be assigned to Daxter. The game, known in Japan as Kachinko Heroes, is a 2011 action-adventure video game developed by Nihilistic Software and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation 3 video game console, utilizing the PlayStation Move. It is a crossover of the Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank, and Sly Cooper franchises to form a total of six main characters. And that is all she wrote. I am anyone so with lost the, Anyone again. with some guesses. <laughs> and I'd made the easy ones, apparently. Um... um Oh. There's. I'll give you a clue. I mention in that description all the words that form the title. Stephen. Pr- Stephen. Jack and Daxter's disc <laughs> adventure. <laughs> uh, no. Um. Oh, I James. Any idea? No. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Okay, so it's only on PlayStation. It's PlayStation Move. Mm-hmm. Is it? Oh, I don't know. Um, Take a guess. Ra- uh, it's a Ratchet and Clank all for one. No, it's not. No. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to make this up as I go along. That game was PlayStation Move Heroes. Oh, remember that one? <laughs> yes. No, I do. That's what I was. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I, uh, I own a copy of mind. that game. <laughs> I remember looking at that and thinking, who would buy this? And now I know. Yep, I did. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought the clue might have been in Kachinko Heroes. I thought if you heard the word heroes, like from no, that, yeah, that I did called in Japan that maybe it would all piece together. I think I was just confusing but... it with All for One. So yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that weird gladiator move game, but then you started talking about. Jack I love and that. I love that you guys managed place. to like focus in on particular characters and no mention of Sly Cooper. Poor Sly Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um. I don't know what we're going to do here. I've got one more game written down, but if Stephen gets it, then what do we do? We'll see. Um, Work in the system. (laughs) Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... I'm sorry, James, but your point is worthless, and the next person to guess this game correctly is winner of the sudden death. I guess that's fair, since I... That's the only way I can get to do it, but it seems harsh. I need to... That's I make so up this brave. game as I go along. I need to think of some <laughs> rules for a scenario like this. I need to have like a tiebreaker game or something. I don't know. Uh, okay. Go. The final, the final game. All the points awarded to the person that can guess this game. The game's campaign follows the Task Force 1 for 1, a special forces unit fronted by Captain Soap McTavish, as they hunt Vladimir Makarov, leader of the Russian Ultranationalist Party. Stephen? Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Uh, incorrect. <laughs> no, that wasn't the guess. Dang it. <laughs> uh, shall I keep reading, James? Um, well, I won't know it, so... <laughs> really? I don't play them. You couldn't interpret anything from my series of groans there? Uh, okay, um... <laughs> keep reading, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the game's main playable characters are Gary Roach Sanderson of the 141 and James Ramirez of the Army Rangers, with Captain McTavish becoming a playable character later in the campaign. An expansive multiplayer mode is featured in the game with several new features and modes that were not seen in its predece- predecessors. Development for the game began in 2009, 2008 sorry, when it was still known as Call of Duty 6. It uses the IW 4.0 oh, engine. James. James? Um, Modern Warfare 2. It is Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was so anticlimactic, but sure. <laughs> I thought you were just like you, Stephen added on the two kind of after I'd I thought that I thought that, that that was the incorrect answer. I thought that one and two were like invalidated, so I was waiting. But then you said COD six, so that's how I oh, right. worked that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, that was one of the more the interesting what the wiki games we've had. <laughs> the Russian dude, yeah. I didn't know ultra-nationalists were a thing, but there you go. I guess they're just really nationalists. That was intense. <laughs> Super national. <laughs> uh, well, James, I'm glad that you still got to go away with the points, because uh, <laughs> I did feel bad about taking that first point off of you. Uh, so, James, you've narrowed that gap then between you and Brody. He's on three, you're on two, and then Matt is on one. And with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 133 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au and visit the site at press.com.au. You can join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast. Send us your What the Wiki game suggestions so I don't have to make up my own and confuse <laughs> things. Uh, I've been your host, Ian Roxbury. You can follow me on Twitter at. Ah, actually, no, I was going to do this differently. I was going to do this differently today because you know how. I was saying we need, like, a better end to the cast than me going, like, Stephen shares his info, and then I go, well, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. I'm going to go. You can join the conversation using hashtag the Starcast. I've been joined today by James. What do I do? And, oh, and, then, do I... and then you do your <laughs> usual thing. Sorry. Oh, hi. Sorry. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me at, at Jam, so it's A-T-J-A-M-Z. 
I've also been joined today by Stephen. I've been Stephen. I'm at Stephen Impson on the social things. Uh, hit me up, fam. And I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. And until next time, happy gaming. Smooth. Bye. Very good. <laughs> <laughs>